Ulrik Andersen is the CEO of Golden Ocean, a leading international dry bulk shipping company. All opinions expressed by Christopher Wonheim or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of BIN. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Wonheim as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. When it comes to the uh, emission piece, obviously there's no silver bullet in terms of technology today, but then you have like a lot of low-hanging fruits, like slowing down your vessel, doing a lot of optimization work, right? Like <clears throat> making sure the routes you, you sort of are effective. Do you feel like from Golden Ocean perspective, those long-hanging fruits, have you taken all them or are there loads of opportunities to cut down a little bit by tuning all the time? Or do you feel like in Golden Ocean you have seen or you've taken most of those opportunities and now it's more a technology play, finding that technology? I think that if you look at the ship owning model, just take one step yep. back, then we have uh, always been forced to be low cost providers. Uh, and for instance, Golden Gold Ocean, we have uh, almost 100 vessels. So we have economies of scale in our own right. Um, that has allowed us to push down our cost. But we are now so large that there's not a lot more to come from here. So where we see the next big push on cost is uh, through uh, digitalization uh, and in turn, actually decarboni- decarbonization. So by, and this is remember uh, important to remember, when you reduce emissions, you reduce your bunker consumption and you reduce your cost. Uh, so for two years, actually, uh, since I started, we have had um, a, a three-pillar strategy, like three areas that we want to focus on. And one of them is digitalization and decarbonization. Uh, so we are working very intensely uh, on, uh, on, on bringing down our emissions because it's good for uh, the environment uh, and it is also good for the company. Um, and we are kind of looking at this and. You know, there are different timelines here because there are the low-hanging fruits, as you are mentioning, and then there are the, can say, the medium and the long-term solutions. Uh, we have not plucked all the low-hanging fruits yet, uh, but we are uh, doing that. So uh, what you can do and what we are uh, doing now, for instance, is that we are uh, uh, digitalizing, meaning that we get much better data into our IT system. So we have installed, or we have not installed in the entire fleet, but we are in rolling out now. I think we have on one third or something, and we will have all vessels equipped with the, with the with sensor at the end of the year. It means that we get data directly fed into our IT systems, meaning that we can monitor performance uh, much better. Uh, so we are not in the dark for a long time uh, before we know there's something wrong with the vessel. Uh, normally you get data every 24 hours, which is a bit absurd in this modern day and age, but that's actually how it has been. Now we get every seventh minute. Um, and then we do can you say investments into the fleet? So it is some investments you can do outside dry dock, but others you'll have to do in connection with a dry dock where you take the vessel out of the water and you can do a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's easier when it's out of the water. So what we are doing now is that we're investing heavily in all vessels that go into dry dock. So what we are doing, for instance, is that we are blasting the hulls much more efficiently to make them smooth. We are applying low friction paints, very special paints so that the can you say that's less drag on the vessels as they go through. 
Uh, we are in, uh, investing in special propeller vortex uh, so that you get better, your propeller works better and you get better, uh, uh, what can you say, uh, uh, speed through the, through the water and, and lower consumption. Mm. So we invest heavily into this and we actually believe that we can lower bunker consumptions and thereby uh, emissions with a low double digit, maybe 10 to 12%. Uh, so this, these are no-brainer investments that we just need to get on with. Then we look at more advanced technologies as well. Uh, which are not for today, uh, but for the future. Um, we are looking at, uh, among other things, uh, carbon capture, where you install, a, 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 you simply ca- ca- capture the, the carbon mm. before it goes up in the air. Um, there are some uh, challenges with that, but you can potentially remove up to 95% of your emissions by doing that. Then we are looking at, uh, can you say, maybe less, uh, less uh, revolutionary things, but, uh, but uh, we're looking at, Something called speed opt, which is uh, which is um, it's actually you can com- com- compare it to a to an autopilot for a car, because if you have a vessel that is going through the water at a constant speed, if you have wind against you or whatever, you will actually burn uh, more uh, than 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 you should. If on, uh, whereas if you keep a constant speed, mm. it's better. So by uh, having uh, these uh, technologies uh, optimizing your speed, you can you can save bongos and so on. I mean, there's rotor sails as well, and so on and so forth. Um, I was about to ask you that because obviously you are from from Denmark, right? And you see Maersk yeah. trying everything, and sometimes it's hard to know. Like, I wouldn't call it the PR stunt, but sometimes you do something to show you this could work, but it's not always it makes economic sense to scale it up in a big you know shipping company. But given you've seen the tri rotors and sales, do you see anything that you think is like the perfect solution or is it more about experimenting just to test it in one vessel at a time? Um, I think for us at least, it's about uh, experimenting and testing uh, because um, we often see that uh, companies promise a lot of, uh, can you say, uh, bang for the buck and then maybe it's not really the case when it, when it, when, when it happens. Um, or when you put them on. So I think uh, you have to, uh, and then you also have to remember that uh, every vessel is different. So there can be different solutions that fit different types of vessels depending on their size and the trading area. And I mean, it's complicated stuff. Uh, but um, but generally speaking, we have to be open-minded towards these uh, new solutions. Uh, and we have to, uh, to be uh, ready also to invest um, are there elements of PR in some of this? Uh, I'm sure there is uh, for uh, for Maersk as well as, uh, as 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 for us. But at the end of the day, we are doing it because we believe we can bring down cost and that we can can you say take our companies in the right uh, in the right uh, in the right direction. Um, and as I say, yes, there's going to be different solutions for different uh, times, uh, and the end goal must be zero uh, emissions. And of course. Speaking about that, you cannot uh, talk about uh, or not talk about uh, see new engines or new technologies, uh, whether that's uh, ammonia or hydrogen or uh, or something else. Um, but we are we are not gonna go out guns blazing with uh, things uh, that we are not uh, sure about working. So I think we'd rather re- go a little bit cautiously, and then uh, as we see technologies maturing, uh, we will try uh, try those out as we see. Uh, track records from other from other companies but it is key to be on the forefront yeah. here and to be open-minded uh, and i think that's something that the industry is uh, needs to get used to because it's not exactly a shipping is not an uh, industry known for its uh, innovation let's be honest uh, but uh, that is uh, that is changing now and it has to change and it's a good thing
This is a topic uh, top of mind when you talk to investors, clients, etc. Are they pushing you on this? All meetings are very conscious about it. Um, yes, I mean the ESG agenda in, in general has uh, has uh, has really uh, has really uh, increased in, uh, in 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 the last uh, 24 months uh, for sure. Uh, so we are usually asked about our uh, strategy and decarbonization. Um, I think at the moment maybe very few will actually determine their actual investments after this uh, but i know that uh, they are uh, happy to see that we are working actively towards uh, this end goal because we know we're gonna have to transition uh, our business model into something uh, 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 new but uh, or, yeah, to cater for can you say a, a low carbon future uh, and it is key because if you look at we don't just say decarbonization because it's a, it's a, it, it, it sounds good uh, and that uh, it feels good uh, in the tummy, uh, but, uh, but because it actually is changing the business model. And we see that because we see finance being tied now to reducing your emission. And as we just talked about, yeah. as a ship owner, you want to be low cost. So if you don't have a competitive finance and low uh, capital cost, a low capital cost, then uh, then uh, you're not a ship owner for long. So so that's one area, right? And then we see it, of course, on the customers now as well. I actually have a mail right now uh, on my desk from uh, one of our very big uh, uh, clients that we have contracts with, uh, asking for emission data for uh, specific voyages to understand, or even back in time to understand what was our uh, footprint and how can we work with that. Meaning that if you don't reduce your emissions in Golden Ocean, uh, then you will not become your preferred uh, customer in the in the, in the future because our emissions go into what can you say the mining companies or our customers' uh, 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 CO2 uh, footprint. So so this is uh, this is another thing. It's the finance and it is uh, it is customers uh, and then of course it's employees uh, that would like to see that we have some visions around this. Uh, and then finally, you have, um, you have, of course, the investors, as we just talked about, also asking questions. So that is why you want to take this serious uh, and you have to, to, uh, to, to, uh, to address it uh, properly and, in an, uh, in a, and have a very, very clear strategy. It is simply because it is uh, going to define your business model uh, in the future. Definitely. That's an excellent summary. Just like I want to spend some minutes on, on the demand side and dry bulk space. And because there are a lot of people trying to figure it out, looking very good. But if we just look at sort of maybe the different continents, if we just start with Europe, has anything drastically changed as a consequence of the war in terms of trading routes, etc.? I mean, especially for wheat production and corn, there could be some potential uh, new trade routes coming up as a consequence. Or Yes, I would say uh, first to set the scene, you can say the most important country in the world for dry bulk is China. Yeah. So China imports around almost 50% of all dry bulk commodities. So the absolute most heavy weighing, uh, can you say, country uh, and that what we are looking uh, towards uh, uh, is, is China. Having said that, uh, there are uh, things happening now uh, that impacts, uh, can you say, dry bulk shipping and that comes out of uh, Europe. And that is um, uh, not so much grains as mm-hmm. it is actually coal. 
Så so, um, Cole, of course, en mandes mind was uh, wasn't it outsourced, outfaced, yeah. you know, who uses coal anymore? Uh, but the matter of fact is that we use a lot of, uh, quite a lot of coal in, uh, in, in Europe, not nearly as much as in Asia, but we actually do use coal in, uh, in, in Europe. And what has happened now, of course, is that uh, uh, getting commodities out of the Black Sea is impossible. Yep. Uh, and uh, there's now also a ban in place for uh, for for coal which will start in, in August uh, that's coming out of the uh, can you say out of the uh, the Baltic Sea um and that has uh, that has meant something for the dry bulk uh, shipping because suddenly what we have seen in uh, the last two three uh, four months is that uh, Europe has started to import coal all the way from Australia and that makes really no economical sense to transport coal half away around the world Uh, but that is obviously something that has been helping the market, this inefficient allocation of coal. So suddenly we see coal from Australia going into Europe. We see Russian coal that was otherwise go to Europe, go to India. Yeah. Uh, and we see um, and we see at the moment uh, India, generally speaking, basically buying left, right and center coal uh, from everywhere in the world. Because they have uh, they have uh, huge uh, demand and they uh, they are uh, they are very very low on uh, on uh, on their inventories. So they buy from uh, Russia, they buy from uh, from Indonesia, and they buy from uh, from Australia. So the whole and then maybe I should just add one more thing, which is that China has actually had a ban in place for Australian coal. So uh, that means that uh, that coal is also allocated inefficiently. So coal is 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 is, is is very much up in the air and that is um, of course adding ton mile means that uh, that the vessels have to sail longer distances to deliver the same amount of cargo and that is uh, categorically a good thing for the for the ship owners and this doesn't look likely to can you say ease up anytime soon so you can say you asked about europe mm-hmm. it was really yeah. connected as shipping all, all often is uh, worldwide but it's ha- it, it's having some consequences uh, 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 and for grains it's little bit the same uh, but not uh, so uh, can you say uh, impactful for yeah. gold notion because it's mainly transported on the smaller sizes but uh, we see some of the same uh, tendencies there again cargo is blocked in it had to be it has to be sourced from somewhere else it means that it has to be transported longer so 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 as sad as it is to say actually a war can be a good thing for the for the trading uh, of, uh, of, of, of of ships but uh, but naturally uh, uh, we hope this mm conflict gets resolved as, as quickly as possible. I, 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 I hope I don't have to say that. No, definitely. So given this market environment, how do you do uh, view spot versus longer contracts? What is the framework now? Where is Gold Notion positioned in terms of how much is fixed and how much is spot? Given that it seems like it should be a good environment for the foreseeable future. Yes, we uh, did last year... Um, Well, I'll take one step back again. Sorry. Normally, uh, there's a seasonality in, uh, in in dry cargo, so it's kind of like a rule of thumb. It's weak in Q1, a little bit stronger in Q2, stronger in Q3, and red hot in Q4. Hopefully, uh, Q3 or Q4. And that pattern uh, was uh, was um, uh, that was how it was last year. Uh, in the beginning of the year, the rates were 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 low, but at the end of the year, they hit $85,000 per day. Uh, which is very high when you have a cash break even of uh, of maybe twelve thousand. Um, so what we did last year when we came into the hot period in the in in, in the fourth quarter was that we uh, we started taking deals into this year, 
uh, but only covering Q1 and a little bit of Q2 to kind of bridge yep. uh, the weaker period. So we've had a, a, a quite a significant portion of our fleet locked up in, uh, in, in high paying uh, freight uh, during Q1 and as I say, to some extent in Q2. Uh, but all of these are now being, uh, yeah, obviously the Q1 is over now, so, yeah. so, so these are now back in the spot market. Um, and we're quite happy with that because the market has actually developed like that uh, this year, very weak Q1, and now uh, rates uh, on, the, on the cape sizes are at uh, $33,000 per day. So they have, they have gone up tremendously in the, in the, in the past week. Um, so now to get to your, it was a bit of a long explanation perhaps, but to get to your question, uh, now we are positioned so that we have quite an open book towards what we have expected to be a strong second half. Uh, that doesn't mean we have any ambitions of being pure spot play. We think uh, we should uh, be you know, managing the risk also on behalf of our shareholders to we say, safeguard uh, income and, and safeguard dividend capacity. So we will take uh, ships on fixed contracts uh, and also covering into next year to, to cover for that seasonally weak uh, period again. But we do believe in the market uh, and we do see the highest earnings uh, there when the market spike. So we want to be present in the spot market. Um, and I think that's also our, can you say, contract with the shareholders, if you want yep. to call it that. If you buy Golden Ocean, you buy exposure to the large segments in dry bulk. Uh, so if you believe in the dry bulk market, uh, you will, uh, you will, we will be a great proxy for uh, what can you say, what happens in dry bulk. And right now, as you may have noticed, we have overperformed the Nasdaq tremendously. Uh, and the reason for that is obviously that the outlooks are good and that we are making money, but also because we are seen as a kind of a, can you say, inflation hedge. Yeah. Um, whereas uh, inflation is uh, definitely not a good thing and it uh, can lead to a recession and, and demand destruction. Then for shipping, it's a little, well, at least in this time around, it's a little bit different because we have very low influx of vessels, as we discussed. We don't need a lot of growth, but in fact, we have a lot of steel and steel goes up in price. Uh, and there's uh, still a big, uh, can you say, uh, demand for, for commodities, which is actually creating, ironically, as it may sound, a safe haven uh, on, on the shipping yeah. versus the value stocks, as we have seen plummet over, over the past uh, yeah, six months, I, sh- I should say, certainly this year. Uh, so that's a, that's a quite interesting uh, dynamics uh, that, um, that uh, hand on heart I had not uh, pictured 12 months ago, but the, this is where we are now. Just the, the last country you didn't mention, but maybe has a story giving the dry bulk space is Brazil. Is there anything to comment there? Yeah, Brazil is probably the second most important mm. uh, country, I will say. Not because it imports uh, commodities, but because it exports com- commodities. It exports iron ore. Um, and uh, the reason why uh, 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 Vale, which is the Brazilian mining company, is so important is because those v- volumes that come out of uh, Brazil... Uh, are mainly going to China. And because there's a long way from, uh, from Brazil to China, it is very important that we see a lot of, uh, of iron ore coming out of, uh, uh, out of Brazil um, because the other big hub is Australia and there's a shorter way from Australia to, uh, to, um, uh, to China, of course. Uh, and this is why actually the seasonality kicks in. Uh, and why we often see Q1 being weak, it is because it's rain season in Q1 and you have open mines where you dig out the iron ore and you can't work uh, as efficiently during uh, rain season. So there's less export from the, from the Brazilian uh, miners uh, in, uh, in, uh, in, in base, 
certainly the particularly the first quarter, but also somewhat into the second quarter. But the reason the market is moving now is because we're actually seeing Vale coming into the into the into the market again with lots of cargos, and obviously that is a positive thing uh, because yeah, you need to transport that along uh, a long distance. So you can say if you want to boil dry cargo down to the most simple, uh, can you say uh, drivers? You want to look at uh, you want to look at China, uh, and you want to look at uh, at uh, Brazil and the export, and then you want to look at how many vessels are actually coming into the market. And all of these are looking uh, relatively favorable. Admittedly, China has stepped down. Uh, what can you say? It's uh, economic activity, uh, but not enough to worry us. Uh, given, uh, can you say the other the other factors? So, um, so uh, Europe is strictly yeah. speaking uh, for uh, what can you say us because we transport the longer distances. Uh, not that important, uh, 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 can you say normally? Although, of course, as we talked about, yeah. it is playing a role now with the with the coal. Um, but the these three would be my uh, my main um, my main factors to point on, and why I don't point to Australians because they always deliver. They are usually very uh, they have a very uh, good guidance, and they always uh, uh, perform uh, to the to, to that capacity. But we keep monitoring them as well, uh, and uh, uh, there are other factors as well. But the three main yeah. ones would, would I would point to, uh, to to what I just said. But do you have a market scenario that you feel can keep you up at night? Do you see any? black swans or any like china could of course like given the COVID situation do you see any scenarios that can bleak the outlook dramatically i mean there are, yeah if i could see black swans that would be great uh, but um i guess inherently I, I wouldn't be able to see those but of course shipping is uh can you say uh, uh subject to these hundred year events or black swans call them what you like uh, and uh, obviously if we see uh, a catastrophic uh, incident like we saw uh, with uh, a dam that the dam that collapsed in uh, in Brazil uh, some years ago uh, and suddenly overnight you wipe out the Brazilian a lot of the Brazilian export uh, then yeah. you change the 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 the, the, the game uh, like this uh, obviously if uh, china uh, completely collapses as we said uh, is behind a lot of the uh, Almost fifty percent of dry cargo import. Uh, obviously, that is a bad thing. But I think so. So that will uh, that would be what would keep me up at the up at night. And these events we can't predict. Uh, obviously, we can't. Um, uh, and uh, and things happen. Uh, there's a war in Ukraine. Okay, it turned out to be a you know sometimes yeah. things can also be a, a, a positive for shipping. Um, so 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 yeah. But 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 things can definitely happen, and uh, that is also why we must take a certain can you say amount of vessels out on uh, fixed contracts. Why we must keep a lot of cash on the balance sheet because suddenly uh, the situation uh, can change. Um, but yeah, I'm always worried about uh, stuff like this happening. But uh, knock on wood, uh, we won't be seeing any uh, any uh, any of that. But uh, there's there's risk uh, out there, absolutely. If you like this episode and the content we create, please make sure to check out our newsletter called the Bin Letter. More information is in the show notes. If you want to watch this episode as well please head over to our YouTube channel and make sure to subscribe to the channel. This episode was produced by William Fransen.